have your Bible today, I'd ask you to open up the New Testament book of Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. It's a short little book. It's easy enough to overlook. Uh, but Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 2. And today we're going to look at a text that deals with both speaking to God and to people. And as I prepare for the uh, sermon today, I soon realized that there was too much stuff. It's just a few verses, but there, there's too much stuff that's said in here to fit into just one message. So we're going to break it up into two uh, different messages this uh, over, over the next couple weeks. Now, where we pick up in, in the text, Paul is nearing the end of his letter to these believers. And what Paul usually does in these epistles is he will write a letter to the church, and he will, he will talk about some theological matters. And then the last part of the, of the letter, he will usually apply those things and make practical application to the lives of those who have read his letter. And that's what he does in, in, our, uh, in our text today. And he, he understood what many of us know, but, but sometimes we, we tend to forget. And that is that belief determines behavior. Belief determines behavior. Our beliefs are very important. And, and the things that we believe about God and, and how we view the world and, and the Word of God and things like that, that determines and influences the way that we act. And so Paul talks about the things we should believe and then he applies that in the way that we should act. Now, where we pick up in our text, Paul's been making different applications and giving directions to uh, various groups in no particular order. And in the text that we're going to read, he talks about praying and, and, and then also how we should speak in our daily conversations. Now, we're going to focus on the prayer aspect today. So if you found Colossians 4, I know you just got to sit down, but if you'd stand with me if you can, uh, to honor God's word, we'll pick up in verse 2. And read down to verse 6. Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, that's the gospel, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Thank you. May be seated. Now, the first thing that we see in verse 2 is that Paul says that we should pray devotedly. Pray devotedly. He, if you look at the end of verse 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, that word devotion is, is very powerful. When, when you think of having a devotion to something, it means... It means that you act in earnest towards something, but the, the Greek word that's used here has uh, uh, an even deeper meaning than just being devoted or, or being earnest towards something. It means, it means repetition. Okay? It speaks of being constant in something. In this case, it means being constant in prayer. Now, this, is, this, this whole idea of prayer and, and the things that he says uh, about it, many of the things that we're going to look at uh, kind of apply close to the corn, but that's, that's kind of all right. So he says that we should pray continually. Now that's something that's commanded elsewhere in Scripture, but what does it mean? Well, if, if you read pray continually or pray at all times or something similar, you may think that Paul is saying that we should uh, sequester ourselves off in, uh, off in some little room somewhere and, and spend all of our time on our, our, on our knees with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and that's what our whole life should be. We should be in our prayer closet doing nothing but praying. But that's not what he says, and we know that because if we did that, then we couldn't do any of the other stuff that the Bible tells us to do. 
Uh, but secondly, Jesus is our perfect example, and prayer was important to him, but is that what Jesus did? No, of course not. Jesus had a lot of stuff that he was involved in, a lot of ministry and, and just living life. So what does it mean that we should be in, in prayer always? It means that we should always have an attitude of prayer where it is, it's, it's natural for us to offer up those quick little prayers kind of on the spot. And we see this in, in scriptures as well. You see in the book of uh, Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is one of those books that many times we, we don't really spend too much time in, don't look at a whole lot. But in the book of Nehemiah, it's kind of like uh, Nehemiah's journal, I guess you'd say. And what happened to Nehemiah was the Babylonians had come in, they'd taken over uh, the Jewish nation, they'd exiled them. And Nehemiah was a Jewish man, but he was the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. And so it was his job to taste the wine before it got to the king's lips. And in that way, if anybody had poisoned it or something like that, Nehemiah would be the one to kill over, not the king. And so it was a dangerous thing to be sad in the presence of the king. And so Nehemiah, in chapter 1, he finds out what's happened to Jerusalem, the, the, the capital city the, of, of the Jews. It had been ransacked. The, the, the walls had been torn down. The gates had been burned. He finds out about it. He weeps. He fasts. He prays. He prays that God would, would give him compassion, that would give him favor in the sight of this king. So anyway, he's in the presence of the king, and he's real sad because of what's happened in Jerusalem. And the king looks at him and says, Why are you sad? Because Nehemiah hadn't been sad up to that point. At least hadn't shown it. Nehemiah tells him what's happened. And in chapter 2, in verse 4, uh, it says this, Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I pray to the God of heaven. Now, imagine this in your mind. Here you are, the cupbearer, right before King Artaxerxes. The, the, the king says, what would you request? Did Nehemiah say, hold on just a second, kingy. I need to go into my prayer closet, and I need to spend some time talking to God. It would, it, I guess it would have been all right if he would have done that, but do you think that's what he did? No. He said those prayers that you say when your kid, your grandkid, looks at you and say, ask you to explain some mystery of the Bible. What do you do? Lord, please help me, right? Please help me not say the wrong thing. Help me, to, help, help me to say the right thing. Give me wisdom to say. That's just one of those quick on-the-spot prayers. And when we have this attitude of prayer, when we're continually praying, that should be a natural thing for us. It's, it's, a, it's a continuation of a conversation that we've already had going on in our lives with God. Now, that should be a natural outgrowing of our prayer life, but it shouldn't be our whole prayer life. Okay? So, so we should pray continually, but notice how else he fleshes out this idea of praying devotedly. Look again at verse 2. First, he says that we should pray alertly. Pray alertly. Your Bible may say, if you're reading the King James, it says, watching the same. Watching the same. What does it mean to watch and pray? Now, when I hear this idea or, or see this idea of watching and praying, I naturally think of the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? Jesus uh, went there on the night that he was betrayed, and he took some of the disciples with him. And Jesus said, you stay here and watch for a while while I go off and pray. Now, what did he mean? Did he mean that they should, you know, that they should keep their eyes peeled, they should be watching around, that they should watch his physical posture? Is that what he's talking about? No, he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. What that means is they were to be diligent. They were to be alert. They were to be awake. 
It's the same word, Jesus used the same word that Paul uses in our text here when he says to watch in the same, be alert when you pray. And many of us can identify with those disciples, can't we? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They didn't do too good about things, and, and we, can be, we, can, we can identify, but, but he says to be alert. Now I wonder how many times we fail in this area. Now probably not you, but probably somebody on your row has had an experience where you went down to pray, closed your eyes, bowed your head, whatever posture you assume when you pray, and as soon as you closed your eyes, you, were gonna, you had every good intention of praying to God, but as soon as you closed your eyes to pray, you thought of everything but what you're talking to God about. Now, that's not happened to anybody here, I'm sure. It has happened to me. And what happens is we close our eyes, keep them open, whatever, like, again, how, whatever our posture is, and we go, to, we go to pray, and all of a sudden we start thinking, well, I sure am hungry. We start thinking, I've got all these errands to do. We start thinking about our, the day, if, if we pray at the end of the day, we start thinking about all these things that have happened over the past 24 hours. We, we start praying, and we start thinking about, uh, about all the errands that we need to do, all the things that we need to put on the calendar, all the things we need to get at Walmart. Sometimes when we get down to pray, we don't even stay awake. Amen? I, I know that it happened to me. I mean, I'll, I'll close my eyes to pray, and de- depending on the day, it doesn't matter what position my body's in, I'm out. And we shouldn't be that way, should we? And we're talking to God. We should be diligent. We should be alert. That's what Paul's saying, but many times we fail in that. He also says that we should pray, look at verse 2 again, with an attitude of thanksgiving. I mentioned this last week, but we usually only think of giving thanks to God, specifically giving thanks to God in November. That's pretty dumb because we've got 11 other months, we've got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? we? We have reason to be thankful all year long. And I want you to think about, use what he's saying here, and think about how often we should be giving thanks. Because what does he say here? He says, whenever you pray, do it with thanks. But then what is he, how often should we be praying? All the time. So we should be a thankful people. We should be often turning to God and saying thank you. Each and every day we've got stuff to be thankful for. We should be thankful. And when we consider the reasons that we have for being thankful, it changes our attitude, doesn't it? When we are intentional about focusing on being thankful. Then in verse 3, Paul flushes this out some more. He gives us matters about which to pray. Look at verse 3 again. He says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned. Notice when he says to pray for us as well. I take that to mean, in all your praying about all this other stuff that you got going on in your life, all these other things that you are praying for, 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 uh, for friends and family, don't forget to pray for Paul and his companions. So what are these things that, that we should pray about? Well, the Bible tells us uh, that in all things we should pray, and that means that there's nothing too big nor too small to be offered up in prayer to God. Nothing is too big or too small. And aren't you glad for that? I mean, on one end of the spectrum, we have those big things in life, and they're the ones that are easy to pray about. But those are the things that overwhelm us. 
There's things that are beyond our control. You know, there's a health setback. We offer it up in prayer. It's overwhelming. Someone loses a job. There's a tragedy among our, our friends or our family. It's overwhelming. And we can't handle it on our own. And in those times when the emotions are strong and the need is big, I'm glad we can bring that to God because they're not too strong and they're not too big for Him. See, the Bible says that God is touched with our infirmities, and He is, but He's not overwhelmed by them. And the one who hung the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets all out in space on nothing, the one who spoke and He created everything, the omnipotent God of the universe cares for us. And what's too hard for Him? Nothing. The Bible says to cast our cares upon him. Why? For he cares for you. He cares for us. As I considered this idea, the the passage out of Isaiah 40 came to mind. You probably are familiar with it. You may even have it on a a picture hanging on your wall at, at home. But Isaiah says, Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. They will not faint. And there's nothing for us that is too big, that happens in our life that's too big, to bring to God. So that's at one end of the spectrum. And those are the things that we naturally pray about. The other end of the spectrum are those little piddly things, the little things in life. And if there's a, a temptation to not pray about something on one end of the spectrum or the other, I think it's usually the little stuff. Because we recognize the big stuff, it's, it's out of our control, it's too big, we can't handle it, and it's natural to pray to God on that. But we don't, we don't bring the small stuff to Him, and I think that's, that's an odd thing. Because it's just as right to bring the little things as it is the big things. I mean, think about it. It's not like we're going to bog him down with the small stuff in life. It's not like he's going to suddenly become so overwhelmed when we come to him in prayer because we have a job evaluation coming up, because our, we're not feeling well. It's not like he's going to say, Oh, no, Jeff has a cold. It's not like he's going to say, What do I do now? There's, there, there's, this, there's this little thing going on in Jeff's life. If creating all this with the word was not too hard, your prayer about making it to the gas station before your car runs out of gas is not going to be too much. We, we should bring the little stuff to God as well as the big stuff. We should pray for all things. In, in the model prayer, many times we call it the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said that we should have several things as, as a matter of persistent prayer. First and foremost, that God's name would be holy and would be recognized as such in this world. That his kingdom would come and his will be done. That, we would, that he would supply our daily needs. That we pray about our spiritual condition and needs. So we should be involved in prayer for our needs and for the needs of others. And Paul says, in the midst of all that, I have a prayer request. Actually, I have two of them. Look at what the first one is. His specific prayer request was he asked them to pray for an open door to preach the gospel. And it is good and an appropriate thing to do 
to pray for ministers of the gospel they, as they seek to preach the word of God. Now, Paul says, pray for us. He's talking about him and his companions. It doesn't do us any good to pray for Paul, does it? He's dead. But the principle behind it is, is the same. He, he, he wants God's blessing, wanted God's blessing, as he sought to present the gospel to people. And I wonder, we say, yeah, that, that's, that's good, that's right. We should be praying for, for people who preach the gospel. But I just want you to, to apply this in your own heart and mind. How often do we pray for those that are on the mission field? That they would have an open door to present the gospel. Now, I'm not talking that as a church. It would apply as a church, but how often do you, personally, how often do we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ elsewhere in the United States and elsewhere in the world, many of which are, are in other parts of the world that are doing, that are meeting together, that are worshiping, that are preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel at risk of their own lives? How often do you pray for this church? Do you ever pray through the week as the message is being prepared that's going to be one that is going to meet the needs of you and the, the other people who are going to hear it? Do you ever pray for those who may come into the church and hear the gospel? Do you pray for them? Paul says, pray for us that we would have an open door to present the gospel. The second prayer that he asks is, uh, as it relates to uh, verse, uh, is in verse 4. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Every man who stands before others and opens the word of God longs for this very thing. I long to be clear. And we need God's help in making plain and understandable the word of God. Now understand, there are some complex things, and, and, and we seek to make the complex simple, to speak with clarity. But at the same time, we also need, to, we also need God's help to not hinder the simple. And do not muddy it up. And again, I wonder, do you ever do that? Do you ever pray for clarity of thought and expression for those to whom you listen? Me or maybe somebody else? This whole text instructs us about speaking to God and to people. And as I said before, in the interest of time, we're only going to talk about talking to God today. But if you're like me, this, there's plenty in here for me to chew on this week. Because... Well, there, there's a lot of, lot of room for growth in, in prayer in there, in, in our prayer lives. We should be regular in prayer. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Do it often. We should pay attention when we pray and not be like the drowsy disciples. We should be thankful. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And gratitude is many times the antidote for grumbling. I wonder, and this is just kind of an aside, but do you ever, throughout, besides around Thanksgiving, do you ever tell God thanks? And I'm not talking about just, Lord, thanks for the day that you've given us. Lord, thanks for making the day. Something like that, and then just move on with whatever it is you're wanting to say. But I mean specifically, Lord, I prayed for this, and you answered in this way. Thank you. We should be praying for ourselves. We should be praying for others, including those who minister in the Word. Now, all this is geared towards believers. Now, listen, all this praying 
It all begins with a simple, single prayer, and that's a prayer of repentance and faith. Many times I, I talk to people, I see them on TV, I, I hear them in different contexts, make no claim to Christianity, they don't want to have anything to do with God, and yet they say, well, I prayed about this, or I prayed about that, and usually it's when they're in trouble, right? Now listen, the only prayer that God has said he will for sure answer for the unsaved person is the prayer of salvation. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Jesus said the one who comes to him, he'll certainly not cast out. And I wonder, would you come to him today? Would you call on him in repentance and faith? If you've not done it, I invite you to do that today. I want you to stand as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just... I, I want you to think about your own prayer life. And again, I'm not, I'm not here casting stones. Good grief, the number of times that my mind has wandered when I've gotten come to the Lord in prayer, the number of times I've fallen asleep while I'm praying, the number of times I'll start to pray and then kind of trails off. I mean, there are so many things. I, I don't know what I should pray. I end up praying for the wrong thing. And this is this is the human condition. still do our best to be alert diligent to be thankful maybe you've got something you need to pray about today the altars of course are open if you ever want to come up and pray maybe that's not your thing maybe you can pray just as just as well right there maybe you've got a family situation, a job situation, uh, a spiritual situation going on in your own life, offer that up to God. Talk to Him about it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're... You, you tell us in, in the book of Psalms that you're, you remember our frame, that just dust. And we're so grateful that you that, that you take that into account for all of our weaknesses, all of our failures, all of our foibles, flaws, all the times that we're like the disciples in the garden. We don't watch and pray. We don't get it. Our mind wanders. Our attention is not what it should be times that we just bring our laundry list of wants to you sometimes don't even stop to say thanks for answer prayers in the past God ask you to help each of us to do better about those things Lord if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ as their savior they've never repented of their sin experienced salvation God I pray that you would draw them to yourself 
ask all these things in Christ's name.